Thank you for joining me today. Before I get started, I would like to say happy Father's Day to all of the amazing and wonderful fathers out there, especially to my husband. He is the apple of my eye. And I also want to say have a great Juneteenth celebration today. I know a lot of people did things on Saturday, but I know in the state of Georgia, it has been officially recognized as a holiday, so I am excited about that. However, I want to take you on a journey to talk about my walk and how I got to where I am. And while I understand that no solution is a one-size-fits-all, this is what works for me, or worked for me, shall I say, and this is what I teach in my coaching. So I am what I call an affinity for love coach. So instead of just saying, oh, I'm a relationship coach, I say affinity for love because it defines what I do and how I do it. So... We'll talk about that later on. However, I'm an author and what I did, I wrote a book called The Day I Met My Boaz. And in this book, I talk about three men that I dated. The first one being Mr. Dressed in Lies. Mr. Dressed in Lies was the type of guy and I say was because I, I don't know anything about him today. Um, nonetheless, he was a type of guy who dressed in nice suits, always smelled good. If he had on a pair of jeans, he usually had on like a, a sweater um, uh, that kind of highlighted his physique. But he always smelled good and he always was like you know, that guy, you know, his walk in my life was packed with lies. And baby, when I tell you he unpacked them, it got to a point where I literally had to ask God to help me to release myself from this because it was just lie after lie after lie, even down to the point where he claimed to have wanted my children to be his beneficiary and he wanted their social security numbers. Now, a lot of women know at tax time, <laughs> this is when people start asking, can I file your kids? You know, they want to um, try to have some type of tax break. And this guy, he, he didn't have any children that I knew of. So, um, I've always been that parent that has been extremely careful about my kids' identity and their personal information and all that type of stuff. And I didn't care that we were dating. You weren't getting my, my children's stuff. We, we wasn't rolling like that. So that was a big hard no. The next guy I dated, and these were at different times in my life, of course, um, the next guy I dated, I called him totally ambivalent. When I tell you this guy, I mean, he would give me the, 
Yeah, I want to go out on a date. Yeah, let me take you out. You know, when are you available? And I've always looked in my calendar when I wanted to go out on a date because I never wanted to appear desperate. And the thing is, I would kind of schedule a date kind of a little bit farther out instead of in the immediate um future like the next day type of thing so I would maybe give it like maybe four or five days out and say I'm available here you know on this day well anyways um each time there was a date set up this guy uh his youngest child um ended up being a child having uh some major health issues I'll say and it was to a point where each date that he asked me out, it was always canceled because, ironically, the mother of this child, who happened to be his ex-wife, seemed to always want him to babysit the child, or the child's health issues seemed to have flared. And while some health issues can be controlled with medicine, some, um, some others probably can't, I'll say that. But whatever this baby's case was, and I don't want to mention the health issues, but I will say this child's issues could be controlled with medication. But aside from that, I just didn't believe that every single time we went, we were supposed to go out, that this was the issue. It ended up being a time where he felt so comfortable telling me about this woman's health issues aside from his son's and um she was allegedly bleeding from her rectum and that was the straw that broke the camel's back and when I say I gave him the business I gave him the absolute business I mean I can't remember how many swearing words that I use, but when I say I gave it to him and I gave it to him live and told him, don't do not tell me this woman's personal issues like that. First of all, that's a violation of her own privacy. Secondly, you know, that has nothing to do with me. You know, I'm sorry she's going through whatever she's going through, but that has nothing to do with me. Thirdly, don't call me no more. Enough is enough. I dealt with this with this guy off and on for three years. It was three years too long and too much of my time that I cannot get back. So that was the straw that really broke the camel's back for me, which should have been nipped in the bud a lot sooner. However, you live and you learn, okay? So then there's the third guy, Mr. Love Pistol. And I talked about Mr. Love Pistol because he was the guy that I dated before I met my husband. And we were actually supposed to be in a relationship and I later found out he was tricking. And he was sleeping with older women. Um, We were the same age. He was older than me by about 10 months, I think, 11 months or something like that. Um. But nonetheless, he was sleeping with older women for money and things. And I happened to walk in his apartment at a time where 
he was getting ready to do this older lady, obviously somebody's grandmother, and this the screen the flat screen TV was laying on his bed, and I'm looking like, oh, so I said, well, y'all can carry on. I just want to get my things so I can go, and you know the comment that he made to me is what confirmed not only was he cheating in our relationship but that he was tricking and he said to me you're not taking anything out of my apartment you gave me these things now first of all how did I give you my clothes okay so aside from you tricking I mean are you cross-dressing too I mean I'm just asking for the people because listen I didn't give you my clothes, first of all. And the belongings that I left over there were very feminine. So there's no way I could have gave them to you unless you're trying to get these older women to wear my things. You know, I don't know. Nonetheless, um, he was the guy that I dated before I met my husband. Well, in this journey, that was my final straw and I was like okay I don't want to do this anymore something has to be done there has to be something within me so there was a process of ownership and in that ownership I had to really sit and look at myself and there was a time that I became angry with myself I was angry because I settled for things that I knew I could have done better, but I didn't have the confidence. And it took me back to a conversation with my dad where he told me that he pretty much lied to me his whole bid in my life. He told me in 2005 on Christmas Day that he could have taken care of me but he didn't he told me you know you know times when you asked me for money you know I could have given it to you but I didn't I I don't know why I didn't you know but I just want to ask you to forgive me now while forgiveness has always been imminent in my life this was the hardest thing for me because In this conversation, he actually told me how sick he really was and that he knew that he was leaving this earth. And I just broke down and cried because it took me to a lot of the dark places that I had been in my life. Having a a parent that is a drug addict and in and out of jail and spending time in prison And, you know, doing other things that was just not conducive to parenthood and making sure that your child is good. And, you know, the the level of emotional and mental abuse that I endured, it, it was a lot. And it took me to that dark place. Well, nonetheless... I had to forgive this dude over and over and over again. And I call him this dude because there was a time in my life that I thought my dad was my hero. And for him to tell me that he could have did these things, but he just didn't. And that he doesn't know why. 
And I feel like you just left me to the wolves, you and my mother. And I get it. They were very young when they had me. Teenage parents probably, you know, didn't didn't just didn't have all of the right tools. I, I can't really give my dad a major excuse because he had both of his parents and both of his parents were very hands on. And man, my grandmother and my grandfather, I mean, they were the epitome of grandparents. And so, you know, if there were any flaws, they never let us see them, you know, and I, I I just love my grandparents. They were they were everything to me. And when my grandfather passed, it was like a good portion of my world did too. And I had to really adjust and it took me a lot of years to finally accept he's not coming back. Nonetheless, grandmommy was still hands on and made sure that I was still taken care of. It took me to that dark place in my life. I realized my pattern. And even though I was never the initiator to start relationships, I realized that once I was in them or even in the dating phase, I realized that I started chasing these men. It was like they were attached to me and I couldn't get rid of this thing that was drawing them to me. So I was like, at this point, after Mr. Love Pistol, I said, enough is enough. I have got to do something different. So the Bible tells us that there's safety in the multitude of counselors. And so I said, I'm going to therapy. I had to really make this a part of my imminent healing. And when you when you go to see a counselor and this is my unadulterated opinion and i stand firm on this there's not even a bit of negotiating you need to meet with someone who has nothing to gain or lose by telling you the truth now there are some people who you know, they're just emotionally abusive themselves. And I've encountered some of them in my professional life. But in my personal life, I knew that I needed someone who could help me deal with my issues. And the lady who I was seeing, she hit the nail right on the head in, in our very first session. And so she told me after I broke it down, because her, her first question was, what brings you here? Of course, she's seen the paperwork and, you know, whatever. But to hear someone, you know, uh, talk about their story is a lot more towards the healing process, I'll say. And it gets the, the initiation of the healing going. And in that first session, I'm telling her about everything and I said, I know somewhere in this, it has to be something in me. And I just don't know what it is. And she turned around and she said, you don't read warning signs very well. And I was like, what? And I gave this look like my mouth hit the floor and I'm emulating this gesture, like picking up my mouth. And then I go, Lucy, you got to explain, you know, <laughs> 
she repeated herself. She said, you don't read warning signs very well. She said, like you see, you know, a stop sign, your red light, your yellow light for yield. You know, that could be oncoming traffic, people getting over. And she said, of course, you know, your green light is go, but we're talking about the other sign. She was like, there weren't very many green lights. And you just driving, just having all kinds of run-ins and and none of it stopped you until now. And I thought, my God, this is deep. And I'm just thinking to myself, how many of us are just going through life not paying attention to warning signs? Not paying attention to when a person says something they're really saying something and we're not paying attention. And so in this book, I'm talking about this journey that I I was on and a lot of the changes that I had to go through. And there was one more guy I went on two dates with, which I really don't count him as something, you know, someone that I would really, really talk about in depth, but we went on two dates. The first one, I was kind of like, mm. so I saw some warning signs early on, and this was after therapy. And not only did I see them, I paid attention to them. So I gave him a second chance because I, I promised myself, I said, well, I won't just cut everybody off just right away unless it's something, you know, that presents imminent danger or something that would cause, you know, harm to me or my children or whatever. But the second day we went on, we went to this restaurant um, over at the Lakewood Mall and um, at El Torito's, one of my favorite restaurants that I was told has since closed. But we were sitting there and he couldn't order off the menu. He didn't know what to do. And I just thought, whoa there. Whoa, good buddy. (laughs) That wasn't something I was willing to babysit. And at that point, I realized I got to have a standard. And so as I began to write things down, a scripture came to me in Habakkuk 2. And and you can look this up, but um, it's a short chapter, but you know, writing the vision and making it plain. So I had to dissect that. I mean, that's a very simple sentence. But what did it mean by making it plain? Write the vision and make it plain. Make it so that even a child, a fourth or fifth grader, could read it and interpret it. And for this reason, you know, someone else may pick up this book or this paper, and they may really need what is in there. Well, guess what? I cannot find that book today. I have no idea where it is. I've looked everywhere. I know when I moved and prepared to relocate to Georgia, I know I packed it, but somehow I have not been able to find that book. So whoever has it, I'm sure it was a a huge blessing to them when they got it. And if it wasn't for them, whoever has it, whoever, 
you know, they passed it on to or whatever may have happened. I know it had to be a, a huge blessing because, you know, if you're looking, you know, for healing, if you're looking to find out, you know, things about someone else's journey, sometimes you can find answers to your own situations. Nonetheless, I begin to set the tone for how I wanted the rest of my life to go. And in that moment, I realized that my power is not not just in the hands of God. And I say that because he has given me the power. But my power was still there within me, even through the mistakes, even through the bad decisions, even through things that really probably should have taken me out emotionally. But I had to choose and I made a choice that was beneficial for me. So in that moment, what I did was I took the liberty of rewriting my destiny. Now, let me say why I chose the word rewriting. Initially, and a lot of people have heard me say this, and I had to really think. And I used to blame my parents for everything, even though I took ownership of my own stuff. But I blamed them for setting the tone in my life. I blame them because I feel like my life was set up for failure. And it was because no one had tools. Well, again, I say I can't really say that with my dad. He just didn't pay attention because his brothers, they raised their children. They did for their children. They made sure their children, you know, had and even his sister. But somewhere along the lines, he just dropped off. Whatever the case is. I felt like my life was set up for failure. But in seeing my life set up for failure, I realized I did not have to play it out that way. So in that, when I picked up that pen and I began to write the vision and I began to make the vision plain, I rewrote my destiny. And in rewriting my destiny, I started to set boundaries. This is not the kind of guy I want to date anymore. I don't want to date a guy who's going to lie to me. I need to be able to sift out lies, meaning I need to be able to discern what someone is saying to me. What are you really saying? And so one of the things I remember in going through the academy when I was becoming a a juvenile corrections officer for Los Angeles County Probation, I remember... One of the instructors saying to us, ask this question, what do you mean? So we all begin to say, what do you mean? And so she said, now I want you to say it with different emotions and repeat after me and give the same emotion that I give you. And she began to make different faces. What do you mean? What do you mean? And there's different tones that you put with it. What do you mean? You know, and there was different facial expressions to go with it. And how many ways can you say, what do you mean? Tons. So nonetheless, in that, ask the question, what do you mean? And because you don't want to assume what someone means, you ask that question and give them an opportunity to explain themselves. And if that does not fit in your life, You have the power and the authority to say, this ain't going to work for me. I'm walking away. And that's exactly what I started doing. 
not just in a dating world, like I did with that young man at the restaurant, but in every area of your life, whether it's your career, whether it's education, whether it's um family, you know, and there's people sometimes in your family, you have to cut them off. Friendships all across the board, you have to set the tone. You are in control of this. I had to tell myself this and this, it was not easy. I'm not going to sit here and lie and make you think, oh, I just started writing and it was easy. No, there was tears. There was prayers. There was crying out. There was a laying in the floor almost daily for months asking God to heal me. Whatever this thing is that keeps drawing this, I want it gone. I knew at some point I wanted to get remarried. I had already been married before, divorced. The type of husband I had, he wanted to be married and single. And that that didn't work for me. So I, I released him to do that. I wanted the type of man who just wanted to be with me. And I remember putting this sentence in there, Lord, I want my husband to see me as breathtakingly beautiful. And I want to say probably at year eight of our marriage, he literally came to me one day and said to me, you are so breathtakingly beautiful. And my mouth hit the floor like, oh my God, like he was there when I said this, you know, to God years prior it was just way out to me. And I was like, oh my God, you know, and I just looked and I had this big Kool-Aid smile on my face. And I was just so thankful that God chose to honor my prayers. But he has always told me how beautiful he thinks that I am. He believes that, you know, I am absolutely gorgeous. And man, I, I thank God for this guy. You know, I <laughs> let me just say this. Before I close, when we finally did have a conversation, the first thing I remember, first of all, there were two people who I was really kind of close with at the time. And they kept asking, who is this Jerome Reynolds? Oh my God. Oh my God. Who is he? And I can say that because that's my husband. Nonetheless, um, I was like, I don't know, some stalker, you know. And I literally called him a stalker because like everything I put on Facebook, he was liking. Well, it all started on a post that my cousin put up. And it's so strange. I thought about this one post that she made when she found out we were getting married about a month ago and literally just found it like it's a post that's like 10 years old. But anyways, um, I was like, some stalker, you know, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. They were like, you know, you need to find out who this dude is. And I'm like, for what? <laughs> I mean, I couldn't really see his face in his, in his uh, profile picture, but from the neck down, brother man had it going on from what I could see. And I was like, oh my God, he do have some nice arms and, you know, his chest is kind of, you know, out there like, mm, you know, nice and sexy, you know, but I was like, eh, that's not enough for me. You know, it is what it is, you know, and I left it at that. And so they came back a couple of more times. Oh, girl, you better find out. And one girl said, you might want to find out who this dude is. He just might be your husband. I said, that ain't none of my husband. I said, he's a young man. I was 39. He was 27. I was like, what am I going to do with somebody's grown son? I mean, come on now. I was like, he's probably skirt chasing, probably got a mouthful of gold teeth and a bunch of baby mamas. And I ain't to deal with all that. I'm done. And I knew for me, I wanted a man who did not have children specifically because 
because I was tired of the baby mama drama. I just wasn't willing to go through that stuff anymore. And you having one kid, you know, who, oh, they adore you. But then the other kid is like, well, I got a mama. And I just didn't want to go through that because my goal was never to replace anyone's mother. However, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't think I want to deal with this. You know, whatever. He keeps liking my posts. I said, well, maybe I'll see, you know, maybe. I said, I don't know. I'll think about it. You know, at that point, I was like, okay, they keep, they keep coming for me. So maybe I might need to investigate. But I don't think this dude is my husband. So whatever the case is, I go, I investigate. And I'm like, well, I mean, all the stuff he put on his Facebook page. I mean, it's it's okay. You know, wasn't nothing drastic. You know, I was like, mm. so I get a message from him in the messenger. And the question was asked, have you ever thought about how my voice sounds? And so I responded with the same question, but my response with that question was sassy. Now, remember I said you could ask one question and have different tones, meanings, emotions behind it. So his question was, have you ever thought about how my voice sounds? And so my response was, have you ever thought about how my voice sounds? You know, (laughs) I'm being all sassy. And when he responded, he said all the time. And I thought, oh, my God, the first scripture that came to my mind was a soft answer turns away wrath. And I'm like, oh, that was so sweet. At that moment, I didn't think about no age. I didn't think about skirt chasing. I didn't think about none of that. It was like all of that went out the window. And it was so strange because in the master's degree program that I was taking at the time, I was actually taking criminal profiling and it was talking about profiling the criminal and so one of the assignments was to watch this watch a movie and so I chose to watch the Green River Killer specifically because it had a lot of unsolved things so I figured they had to profile maybe a few people in in this movie so I'm watching this movie and I'm like oh my gosh and I watched it a couple of times because I, I wanted to generate a good report nonetheless I had profiled him like I said you know bunch of baby mamas mouth full of gold teeth you know skirt chasing all up in the club you know what I'm gonna do with somebody's grown son you know I was just wasn't fit to breastfeed or give a new and biblical cord to some drama I just wasn't so Whatever the case is, he asked, could he call me? First, I was hesitant. So I gave him my number. So he called me and oh my God, when I heard his voice, I was like, whoo, Jesus, deep, sexy. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I'm okay, okay. So, you know, we started talking and so he said, you have a very pretty voice. And I was like, thank you, you know. And the conversation went on and in that conversation, I found out not only does he not have gold teeth or a gold tooth, he didn't have any children. He had never been married. He has never been all up in the club and never has he just been a skirt chaser and just hopping from woman to woman and bed to bed like that. And I was like, wow, hmm, breath of fresh air. From day one, he showed me me loyalty consistency he showed me that he was a man of integrity he kept his word and he says what he means and he means what he says and while my husband sounds like the perfect man he's not perfect but he is perfect for me and when I say I love him 
with every fiber of my being, everything that God has given me to love him. I love him with that. And he was one of the best decisions in my life. So on that note, I'm going to say until our next episode, walk in your power, pursue your passion, define your purpose. And as always, keep it pretty in pink.